On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, we decided to do the top 10 best podcast clips for you. And so I want you to take a listen to this mashup of some of the top 10 podcasts that we've had over the last couple years. So here we go. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. The first one we have with Marty York from Sandlot. He's Yaya from Sandlot. So we're going to listen in on his experience shooting the Sandlot. What was it like for you when when you were acting in Sandlot? That was a blast. It was like, being in summer camp for three months and you know me and the guys had we had the most fun off camera because they had us in this condo in utah and and uh we would do crazy stuff i tell the story how we snuck into basic instinct when we were little kids <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah we, we, were, we were bad little kids uh <laughs> i mean we did a lot of stuff uh off camera as well as on and we improvised a lot of the lines in the movie the clothes are going out of style they already are squints that was an improvised line but, we, you know, we just became the best of friends. And, you know, I, I kind of fell out of touch with those guys after Sandlot. You know, I saw them here and there at auditions. And then we kind of rekindled any, everything in the 20th anniversary of 2013. Right. Um, that was the first time I saw almost all the guys, not all of them. But, and, you know, it was a big, we did like, we went back to the Sandlot. And we did like two baseball stadiums, but they were like double A teams. Yeah. Then we did the 25th anniversary. And it was like insane. It was like first we did every baseball stadium in the United States. So we including, did uh, including one in Boise too. We had you out and that's how we first met. And we had yeah. the Sandlot play in the baseball field and you know, people came and, and you know, autographs and all kinds of fun stuff that was going on. And and you know, we got to promote the event and get people there and have that inflatable screen up there and it was it was a good yeah. time for sure. Boise Boise Hawks, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I think that was around the 20th anniversary that I did that. Yeah. That was a couple of years before the 25th. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. I did that with that director's brother, Scott Evans, who okay. the Sandlot's actually based on. He is the Scotty Smalls. He's the real Scotty Smalls. <laughs> the real one yeah. <laughs> that's based on. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah and, and we had, yeah. you know, the hot dogs and we had some posters and it was a lot of fun to put it together and trivia and all the fun things that, that people say. And, you know, so was your line the, the one, the most famous line, was it improvised or is that something that uh, kind of just came naturally or was it supposed to be? I don't know if my line was the most famous line. I think the most famous line from the movie is you're killing me smalls. That's true. <laughs> that was probably the most famous line from the film. Um, killing me smalls. Yeah. <laughs> that line was actually, it wasn't even you're killing me smalls. It was like killing me smalls. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Added, you're, you're killing me small. It wasn't, I forgot what it was, but he added, Pat Renna added something to it that made it more memorable because the line wasn't like that. It was something else. Mm-hmm. And, and the you're killing me smalls was kind of like, some improvisation in there but that line is like on thousands of t-shirts now and <laughs> and that that shirt with him saying that is actually the highest selling slogan shirt in history oh my gosh <laughs> yeah you know one line can can do that mm-hmm. kind of like urkel's did i do that or you know? <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah and then so your line too was that improvised or is that something that they scripted for you 
oh no that was my character that was my character's thing he said yeah yeah before everything because he had kind of some kind of speech impediment what was funny because when i auditioned for the movie i did not originally audition for yeah yeah i auditioned for bertram who was the uh the guy that got lost in the 60s and no one ever saw him again right uh, right so i auditioned for him and i ended up getting a part of bertram and uh he had a bigger part in the movie at first as in the scene where squint is talking about we're in the treehouse and he's talking about the beast and the whole story of the beast and all that. Yeah, I got I landed the part of Bertram oh. and then we went to the field and they were kind of like putting, they told us to stand on a line at the baseball field where we practiced that before we went to Utah to film. And they're like kind of putting us together and like the shapes and the sizes and they're like, eh, uh, come here, come here to me. And I, you know, bring my mom over and he doesn't really fit the part of Bertram. We'd like him to read for yeah, yeah which was like a different character in the film. They wanted Bertram to be more like a hippie-ish kind of guy. And uh, Yeah, yeah, was more like the fast talker, the quick, you know, tons of energy guy. They're like, we'd like them to come audition for Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, great. Because I already had two auditions for Bertram. They wanted me to come back and audition again for a different character. And I'm just like, oh, I mean, I'd love to just be in this movie. <laughs> so I remember like before the audition, my mom got me a giant Hershey's bar. And uh, I ate the whole Hershey's bar. And she's like, okay, that's your sugar rush. And I go in there and, show them the energy you got and by the end of the audition they were standing up and clapping and i knew i had the party yeah yeah so oh, good so that was the secret <laughs> to serve you a big huge hershey's bar <laughs> yeah the hershey's bar did it so i thank the hershey's bar yeah there you go <laughs> This next clip is with Stacey Ennis. She's an author, ghostwriter, coach, all the things that you need. She's gonna talk about marketing yourself through writing. And we're gonna listen in on how writing a book changed her life and what books can really do for you. From a marketing perspective, how has this book elevated you and your career and your aspirations and inspirations moving forward? Yeah, well, so I work with a lot of people like that. So a lot of CEOs, a lot of people who are looking to have a bigger impact, a broader impact than they've had in the past, um, but certainly a lot of people in, in high leadership levels. And for them, what I find, so I'll talk about myself in a second, but mm -hmm. for them, what I find is that a book does a few things. One thing it does is it helps them to focus and clarify their ideas. People who are in high levels of leadership or are running a business or are responsible for a team, they're really busy. They don't often take time to just be quiet with their thoughts and to do the hard work of thinking through their ideas and then coming up with a way to share them that makes sense to other people. And so I think that's what's really powerful in one way about a book is that clarity of, of mm -hmm. thought. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think a book can do for somebody who's in that group of people that you mentioned, is it, it allows them to transition from success to influence. A lot of the people I work with, they have reached a height of success within their industries or within their companies, and they maybe aren't necessarily wanting to go somewhere else to work or to change what they're doing, but they do want to have a broader impact. They do want to reach more people. And influence at, in other ways, yeah. Exactly. They feel that there's something inside of them that they could, they can have a bigger impact than they're having. And they're not really sure how to do that. And so a book can be one way for them to begin to take those steps toward getting those ideas out, becoming, becoming known as a thought leader or being invited as a speaker or becoming better known in their industry, whatever mm -hmm. their goal is. 
Number eight, podcasting for business. Tips on growing your podcast. There's lots of goodness that comes from having a podcast. So let's hear about it. Thinking about the content, right? Uh, sometimes that can be a hang up for people before they actually start doing their podcast. So if you are like, well, Ray, I want to do a podcast, but what would I talk about? What would I do? Who would I interview? Who would I, you know, what kind of message would I want people to have? And so I would say if you are, you know, speaking on what you're passionate about, what you're an expert in, what you know most about, and even if you don't know about something entirely, that's where you can interview people and have them express what they know and uh, ask them questions and having those questions prepared in advance if you can. If not, that's okay. Sometimes it's just a candid conversation and you can use that as your podcast as having a conversation. Uh, utilizing relevant and engaging stories. Uh, people love stories, right? I love to tell stories and I love to hear stories and I love it when uh, our people who are we are interviewing tell us a story and it engages us. It keeps us uh, wanting to listen to more and we want to hear more about it and we want to check out these people that we're listening to on the podcast. And then you can also, um, you know, like I said, invite your guests to, to partake in their podcast, get them um, to help spread the podcast and, you know, give the feedback that you need um, in order to help make your podcast better and grow over time. I can remember when we very first started, um, you know, versus now, and it does, it takes time to build and grow and do more. And we, you know, have done quite a few now and we've, we've had some amazing people on our show. Um, one I'm really particularly proud of that we just did and I'm, you know, we'll launch it out here pretty soon. Um, some big names are coming, some best-selling authors. It just takes time to build up to the right audience that you want to interview and talk to. Um, and just not being afraid to ask, right? Putting it out there. Hey, would you like to be on my podcast? And, you know, being able to get the right people. And I uh, also have um, followed now um, podcast guesting, um, the guest lab, internet and, and profit lab. There's uh, lots of tools out there from uh, for people who do podcast guesting as a, as a job. They help you um, line up and get on certain podcasts um, or vice versa. Um, they help you get your podcast out. So um, there's lots of agencies that can help, particularly with just podcasting and getting your message out there or and or getting you listed on podcasts. I've been able to work with them and have guests on our show that they recommended to me um, as being a good guest on our show. Uh, and so those are some people that you can look to to help you do that uh, as a specific business where they, they have created this business um, to make those uh, happen for you. Make those moments happen. There's also websites out there that you can list yourself if you want to be a podcast guest, or if you're a podcaster and you want to find podcast guests, it's kind of like a matchmaker uh, for podcasts, right? And so there are different tools that you can use to make that happen and um, be able to put that out in, in the world and say, okay, these are the people that I want to find and these are the types of people that I want to interview um, or hey this is the type of person I am and the, the podcast that I have now let's match make and make that happen for us to be able to do that um, so anyway those are some ideas for you on how to get that done number seven rebranding your company and building community with Jen Graham. And she's talking about rebranding a company and a lot of good marketing nuggets that you're going to want to listen in. And here she is. 
how have you been able to grow so quickly? And of course, COVID and you know being able to have that global reach. But what are some some things that come to mind right away that you did that you saw that were highly successful? We have yeah. an incredible team now, and now that we have our our lead generation manager started in. I would say March or April. And before that, we had no marketing. It was, it was blog and social media and mm-hmm. maybe a blog, but um, and our website. And most of our inbound leads came from people who experienced a civic dinner before it was inclusive and got to try it out and experience, and they would tell their friends and they would invite their friends, and it would just be this viral kind of thing. And so until we, but that was also hit us hard when we wanted to raise funds because they're like, hey, what's your predictable sales model and what's your marketing and all of these things. And um, we had to figure it out. So one thing that we have done that works really well, besides our signature events that we run and invite more people to experience the magic itself of what is a structured conversation? What does that look like, especially in the virtual world? Um, But for us, we found we're sticking to our, going back to our purpose, which is how do we lift up other voices to help create a more inclusive world? So one of our, I think, strongest pieces that we've done recently, we launched last week, and uh, it was a list of 12 DNI leaders that were that we wanted to celebrate that were doing great work within their companies. Some of these were our customers, and we just wanted to highlight like 12 DNI leaders that are really doing the work. And we created a piece, put it out, we put it LinkedIn, we targeted our target market on, on LinkedIn. And we've had over 80, 80 downloads of that free content. Wow. And the lead generation of this so far has been incredible. And has just, and the, the people commenting on like who's in it and tagging them on LinkedIn. So I feel like we've done this before when we highlighted CEOs that were women, women founders with uh-huh. Sarah Blake leaving one of them and others that we had the privilege of working with. And it, helped by like lifting them up we got lifted up and so it, it goes back to show I mean, what you yeah follow kind of your guide around how do you if we are there to support others and lift others up how do we demonstrate that in our marketing and how do we live that principle in our marketing and it's been working for us yeah that sounds like a phenomenal tactic to take number six navigating cryptocurrency in the ecosystem with Clay Space. We're gonna talk about what NFTs are and all about Bitcoin. And he's got a lot of interesting insights. So here we go. And that's kind of what's happening now with the NFTs, right? We have to yeah. explain a little bit about what's going on there. Huh? Yeah, NFTs, um, and actually it's kind of funny, is is as I was looking to pivot the project um, around 2018, I looked into NFTs at the time. Um, and we were looking at it from a perspective of basically looking at it as kind of like digital merchandising. Um, so, you know, Disney, when they create a film, um, a lot of their revenue comes from selling toys or selling t-shirts or what have you. And so we were looking at, um, could you basically take that merchandising and put it, make it digital? Um, and I think that there's absolutely some plays there. I think there's actually I mean, of course, the part of the story that, that I haven't mentioned yet is kind of the experience of me creating this this media company and, and using this token. 
um, made me really realize just kind of how misaligned a lot of the incentives are within the cryptocurrency industry um, and really turned me off from a large part of the industry, which is basically these these tokens, uh, things like Ethereum um, and a lot of the other ones. But it, it forced me down this rabbit hole of what money is. Um, and so it brought me back to Bitcoin and um, made me really appreciate and understand why Bitcoin was created. Um, but but NFTs are wholly different than um, kind of Bitcoin or some sort of monetary asset. Um, NFTs are really trying to be, I think in the best way to put it, would be digital merchandise. And so there's absolutely, you know, if you think of it like from the perspective of a video game where you could have some sort of uh, sword or piece of clothing that could actually be interoperable between games so you could take that and you can move it between various video games. I, I think that there is probably a use case there. Yeah. Um, and there's probably, the, what makes it hard I think from a perspective of investing in it and why I don't personally invest in NFTs is I think that um, ultimately what you'll probably see is you'll see uh, various NFTs that were created either by anonymous developers or just have a large network effect um, because they've been around for a long time. They have a lot of people who own them that ultimately video game developers come in and say, hey, look, there's a community of a million people who own these NFTs. Let's build a video game where they can then port those NFTs into our game. And so they're, they're basically you'll have um, it's kind of like the opposite of what we have today where you have video game makers who create a video game and then um, you go to the video game and you use the assets within their game and then you can't really take them out um, right. in in potentially in this this uh, different model you would have um, video game developers basically marketing to a network that already exists um, and then actually uh, kind of kowtowing to that network so they would be creating uh, games and assets that play into this already pre-built network. Right. And let's back up. What does NFT stand for? Uh, Non-fungible token. Right. And then let's also back up for those that don't know necessarily what Bitcoin really is. I mean, I'm sure people have heard about it, but let's share a little bit about what Bitcoin is, where it started, how it came to existence and why you're so involved with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so that's, yeah, that's a, a really big story, actually. <laughs> um, but the probably the most, I think the most important aspect to understand about Bitcoin and, and probably what got me interested in the space when I first started um, is just the the supply cap for Bitcoin. So Bitcoin only has 21 million tokens. There will never be more than 21 million tokens. And the majority of those tokens have already been created. Um, and, and so that's really, I think, an important thing to understand about Bitcoin because there's not a lot of things in this world that have this, um, this sort of set... Uh, supply right. um, and and so if you look at other assets um, you know anything from Apple stock to the US dollar uh, there is no guarantee that they will not inflate the supply of those of those assets and um, and so having something that has a set supply uh, really does in a way completely change the game it's it's not really something um, that humanity has had ever in our in our experience right. um, and so I think that we're probably undervaluing just how important it is to have some sort of a digitally native asset that has a, a fixed rate of supply right 
Number five, transforming company culture with Ron Price. Of course, Ron is a mentor, a friend, a client, all of the above. And we're gonna listen in on using assessments in your business and how that can benefit you. So talking about marketing and branding and culture for Price Associates, you mentioned the books that you do and the programs that you put on. You also do tests for people. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I, I was first introduced to this idea of using assessments online to assessments, capture. Assessments, not tests. Assessments, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you can't pass or fail. That's right. The purpose of these assessments is to help people develop more self-awareness, mm -hmm. and they're designed to capture their self-concept. And I first became aware of them, really started to look at them in 1997 when I was in a program called Coach University. Mm. It was like a master's program in coaching in the early days. And um, I was interested, curious, didn't know how much I believed in them, but I thought I would begin exploring and testing and, ex and, and, de and experimenting with them. And when we started Price Associates in 2004, I knew right from the get-go that those were going to be one of the sets of tools that we would use because they really help leaders self-evaluate, understand their strengths better. Mm -hmm. And of course, the greater your strength, the bigger the shadow that it casts. So help them understand the shadows that their strengths cast as well. And the company that I was originally introduced to for this is a company called TTI Success Insights. And I was very impressed with their commitment to research. I was impressed with their commitment to helping people like me who are mm -hmm. helping leaders. And um, they had a pretty good reach. It turns out that they've now run somewhere between 35 and 40 million assessments for people oh, around wow. the world. Their assessments are available in 40 different languages, and they're used in 90 countries. And they're not the most famous because they work underneath the radar a lot because they don't sell assessments directly to any company. They make them available to companies like ours so that then we can help our clients be Facilitate successful. Facilitate them and process yeah. what they mean and how your teams can work together because you might have a, somebody who's, you know, on high eye, influential and dominant, whereas somebody else on your team might be supportive and compliant, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we actually now have seven different individual assessments that we use to understand people from different perspectives, different points of view. Wow. You know, their TTI Success Insights, we tried to figure out what they do in annual revenue based on all of the people they support like us. Mm -hmm. And the closest we can get is that it's somewhere north of a billion dollars a wow. year. Wow, I had no idea. And, and they're a secret yeah. because they don't go direct to the Fortune 500 companies. It all happens through... We're called Price Associates, but we're using TTI Success mm -hmm. Insights tools. And, and wasn't uh, Price Associates recently awarded um, something? Tell us about that. Yeah, you, you might have had a little something to do with it. <laughs> we, we were recognized as the 2019 um, brand ambassador of the year for the whole world wow. because of the relationship that we have with TTI Success Insights and the way that people like Pepper Shock have yeah. helped us. So, yeah, we were really happy for that. I'm happy for you. Congratulations on that, because that's a big deal, especially if they support all of these other companies just like you. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're really grateful. Number four, branding success in the nightlife industry with Steve Adelman, the nocturnal admission book, and his. <laughs> we're going to hear about his Snoop Dogg story. Let's take a listen. 
the name of the book is called Nocturnal Admissions. And I like to describe it as sort of uh, Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential meets Curb Your Enthusiasm. So it's, it's comedic. It's a look behind sort of the, the, the scenes of nightlife in six major cities around the world that I've worked in. Right, right. Give us a little taste of what, what we can expect when we read your book. Well, a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes stories. One would be um, when I was in Boston, I was going up to my office, and I sort of, um, the, the dressing rooms were near my office, and I walked, I saw sort of this guy look at me, and I looked at him, and I went back in my office, and five minutes later, my assistant comes and says, you have to leave the building. I said, leave the building? What are you talking about? It's my club. He goes, no, that was Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan does not like anyone he doesn't know looking at him. Oh. Now, years ago, years ago, uh, sort of a mentor of mine said the, one, the number one rule in the nightlife concert business is talent is king. So I didn't want to, you know, no ego. I didn't want to... Uh, make Bob mad. So I, I actually left the, and, and, and by the way, you can't come to the concerts. I said, okay, great. <laughs> Two weeks later, I'm walking up the same staircase and I pass a woman who looks at me, I look at her and she looks familiar. 10 minutes later, assistant comes in and goes, you gotta leave the building. Oh jeez, you gotta stop looking at people, Steve. Right. <laughs> oh my I goodness. Go, this time? Because that was Alanis set. She's the same way, no one can look at her. <sighs> so I said, okay, fine. Two weeks later, three weeks later, maybe a month later, I'm walking up into the, my office and the dressing room area is filled with smoke. Oh. And I'm like, is there a fire up here? I go, I'm not even looking. Like there's a concert up here. I'm not even looking over my shoulder. So I hear someone say to me, hey, can you get, you know, Tom, we need Tom. He's got to bring us some pot. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I kind of ran to my office and locked it. Never thought twice about it again. Years later, I was in, I was at Avalon in Boston. And I walk in and I go, why, which is why we were renovating the building, getting ready to open. And I'm thinking to myself, who came in and turned this thing into a 1970s disco? Oh. So I'm looking around going, what's happening here? I ask our events manager. She says, this is, they're filming the movie Starsky and Hutch. This was years ago. And they're turning the club. They rented the club and turning it into a disco, right? Oh. So, I'm, so I'm saying, wow, this is interesting. So as I'm walking away, someone says, yo. I turn around, I'm like, someone dressed in like this big, like zoot suit. It was amazing. I walk <laughs> up, it was Snoop Dogg. Oh he my goes, gosh. I, goes, I know you. I remember you in Boston, man. I asked you to do me a favor, right? And you just turned your back on me. I'm like, well, actually, I was afraid to look at you. And he's like, afraid to look at you, man. What do you, what's, what's the deal with that? He oh goes, my gosh. Oh, we're all God's children. <laughs> Number three, personal branding with Jenny Heike. She's going to share the four phases of personal branding. Yeah, I got to listen up to this one. Something about a four-step process that you go through, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's four. It's basically four phases, and mm -hmm. the, the first phase is discover more about who you are. So mm -hmm. it's discovering yourself, right? And that right. there's a whole bunch in that. That takes the longest, but that's gotcha. the thing where we dig into like 
what are your passions? You know, mm -hmm. what are your strengths? Um, mm -hmm. What are your top shaping experiences? That kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then we move from there to assessing who you are. And that's where it's like we do this check of, um, you know, does our self-perception match our reputation? Oh. And things like, um, you know, growth mindset versus fixed mindset or mm -hmm. emotional intelligence, that kind of a thing. Gotcha. And then the third phase is tell who you are. And that's the whole from mm -hmm. social media to online presence in general to even like LinkedIn resume, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the last is give who you are. Right. And that's where you live it out. That's where you just mm -hmm. try to figure out, you know, how am I going to, now that I authentically know really who I am and how to communicate that in a, mm -hmm. from a position of strength, how do I live that out and what are my next steps? And it so. might also set the stage for, for you to be able to say no to things that people are asking you to do that yes. don't necessarily are in alignment with your purpose or your mission or what it is that you want to do, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And I think it, what's so interesting is when, when I go through this process one-on-one -on -one and we really dig into even things like, you know, what are you passionate about? Mm -hmm. That's a hard question for a lot of people, you right. know? And so, and I always encourage um, people to, you know, don't think you have to be passionate about something you're not passionate about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, I, re I always share the story um, when I had kids mm -hmm. and they were little, you know, like preschool age. And I just thought because I was a mom, mm -hmm. I had to be passionate about doing crafts. <laughs> and I would do the whole, you know, when it was somebody's birthday, you know, mm -hmm. bring 34, you know, matching crafts or cupcakes or whatever, or on the holidays, you volunteer for, to help with the crafts mm -hmm. in the classroom. And mm -hmm. I finally realized I hate crafts and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not yeah. going to pretend just because yeah. I'm a mom that yeah. I love crafts. There are other people who do love crafts mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome for them. That's for yeah. them. Yeah. And so to your point, it helps you figure out what to say yes to, what to say no to, right. and then just to really lean into the things that you're naturally that, that fire you up right. and energize right. you instead of, you know, leave you feeling drained because mm -hmm. when you yeah. bring that level of energy, you're likely going to make the greatest contribution. And number two, improve your public speaking with Kristen Holmberg. She is a TEDx uh, talk speaker and also a coach and all the things. So you're going to listen about the importance of the ability to communicate. So you had mentioned earlier that there's one of your favorite quotes. Can you, can you share us and, and expand on it a little bit? Right. Author Brian Tracy says that your success in business and in life is 85% attributable to your ability to communicate. And I think that we all understand that, whether you're in marketing mm -hmm. or finance or engineering, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you're trying to communicate. If you can't do it clearly right. and with some confidence that lets the person hearing what you're saying, even if it's in written form, right. if that doesn't come across in such a way that is clear, you're not going to have the impact that you want to have as a professional or just as a person. Because if, if I'm misunderstood by you, even mm -hmm. personally, right. we're not going to make the connection yeah. that we need to make in order to have any sort of a relationship. But professionally yeah. speaking, of course, yeah. what Brian Tracy's getting at yeah. is if you can communicate your ideas well, whether it's on stage in a job interview mm -hmm. or just talking with a colleague, right. things are going to go a lot better for you. Number one, why graphic design matters. What do you think about when we are creating for a client? We're gonna hear all about that from our design team. So in, in business, why really great logo and branding matters is so that we can stand apart from other, other people, so that we can be recognizable. And, and when we create or think about creating the image that's gonna represent your business. There's all kinds of things to think about and consider like color and 
type choice? What, what other things do we think about when we're creating uh, a really great brand? Well, we're thinking about the audience, of course, and then where it's going to be used. Okay. I mean, that's one thing we definitely consider. If it's something that's like mostly going to be seen in print, we're going to design differently than if it's something that's exclusively on the website or very limited in a print. And we're also thinking about how it's going to be embroidered and what it's going to look like. Uh, you know, if people still fax if it's going to be black and white or if it's going to be, uh, you know, something that's going to be enlarged on a big, huge billboard. Uh, so we design our, our logos in a specific type of format so that way it can be scalable, right? Yep. And we're even seeing like design trends where you're having a logo be able to, I mean, it'll be, it'll be like a larger version of it. And then it's just simply like a shape, a very simple shape when it gets to a mobile phone. Right. So it can be teeny tiny as well. Yeah, as a little yeah it icon. has to be super small and really recognizable. What are we thinking about when we uh, want to put together ads for our clients? What are some kind of important things that we want to incorporate in good graphic design when we think of these things. And well, we're always thinking about our audience and then, you know, if how legible it needs to be or, you know, how fun it needs to be, just the tone of the piece. There's a lot of things that go into consideration when we're putting together a print ad or what's like the number one thing we're trying to communicate. That's that's always there. And then just what imagery can support it. Right. Well, it's similar to a website layout too. If you're if you're trying to lay out a catalog, <coughs> you need your your readers to be able to logically flow through and find the information that they're looking for. So, when we think of working with our clients, what's the first step that we take? Why do we do what we do in order to get really great results? What are some things that we incorporate when we want to work with our clients? Why do we? Why does it matter? Um, the steps that we go through. We begin with the end in mind. They all have a goal and we focus on that goal and then we develop concepts around it. But if we don't know what we're trying to achieve, we're wasting our time and your money. So hopefully you've got some good tips from our top 10 podcasts. And I uh, just want to thank all of our guests and all of our people who support us and listen and give us reviews and all the downloads that we've gotten over the years. Thank you so much for investing your time in helping build brands and bottom lines with us through this marketing journey. And until next time, everybody, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.